So uh, I'm convinced of this. If you want to make a confident Christian insecure, ask them to pray. This is funny. Sarah and I, you, honestly, you should laugh at this because um, it, it's true of you because it's true of me. It's just one of those things. Um, Sarah and I, uh, we, we oversee this small group ministry. Sarah Nelson, um, she, she's phenomenal. And we do leader training. We train people how to lead small groups. And uh, inevitably, people will push back and say, hey, I, I can do this because I know, I think I know enough about the Bible. I love Jesus and I love people. But there's one thing And this one thing is always prayer. And we say very simply, um, if you ever want people to never show up to your group again, ask them to close the group in prayer. (laughs) And they will die inside and then they will never return to your group. I just, I think it's really, really interesting. And uh, you could do personality types and say, well, extroverts don't mind speaking in public, so it's easier for them to go and pray. Although I've met extroverts, again, that would rather die inside than actually go and close something out in prayer. But if you would ask people privately, hey, do you pray? They would say, well, of course I do, because I'm connecting with God. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to communicate with God. And so, of course, I pray. And prayer is just one of those things. I just think it's fascinating because um, everyone would say that prayer is a good thing for their life. Almost every Christian I would ask, I'm willing to bet a lot of money, they would say, I do pray. And almost every other Christ, every Christian that I follow up with, I ask them this question and say, do you feel confident when it comes to prayer? And almost all of them say, I've got room to improve. It's just one of those areas in life that I think we can be very, very insecure about. And, and throughout this series, we're going to explore that. That's a big question for us to explore. Like, why in the world do we feel insecure when we're talking to God? Because of Jesus' work on the cross, um, we belong there. That's a natural conversation for us to have. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we believe because of his work on the cross. So this shame and guilt thing, I, I'm sure that's part of it, but that probably shouldn't be there. Sometimes when we, when we pray in groups, we get a little insecure, and I get it. It's that public speaking piece. I, I understand. But, but if we love God and if we love one another, we're, we're not judging one another in the way that they pray. We're simply joining with other people like we do at coffee shops and restaurants and at work. We're just, we're having conversations. We just happen to be having a conversation with God Almighty. And maybe that's it. Maybe that puts a lot of pressure on us. And we feel the tendency to perform. And it just kind of gets, it gets a little bit weird is what I'm trying to say. So throughout this series, we're going to take five weeks and we're going to walk through this whole idea of why we pray. Because real quick, I need a little bit of involvement. Would you raise your hand if you think we should be in fact praying? Okay, not everyone put their hands up. (laughs) I find that fascinating. Um, The problem I think that we face with prayer is that um, it's kind of vague, it's abstract. And some people say this is the right and only way to do it. And other people are like, it's just a conversation, just go for it. And you're like, I need more tools than that. But if you've grown up in the church or at least have experience with Christians, we we tend to default into this standard of prayer. This is how we think most people pray. This is how we think prayer actually works. It's a simple three-step process, and it looks like this. There it is. Cool. Here's what we do. We tell God what we need, right? Dear Lord, what does someone need? Help me out. Come on. You can talk in church. It's okay. Healing. Healing. We say, Lord... 
I need you to heal. I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired. I hurt. Something's wrong. We're going to ask for healing. What else do we need? What? Strength. Strength. Thank you. Great. Does anyone else need peace? Does anyone else need rest? Does anyone else need their spouse to knock it off? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Totally kidding. Here's what we do. Lord, I need this thing. Tell God what to do. That's step two. We say, God, I I need peace. And here's what I want you to do about it. God, I have a plan. I know you're, you know, I know you have a plan. There's a prayer that talks about us setting aside our plan and bringing his plan from heaven to earth. We don't want to acknowledge that. We just say, God, here's my need. Here's what I want you to do about it. This is where I jokingly do the like, sick him, Jesus, like, like get him. This is what we want. We tell God what to do. And then here's the third thing that we do. We believe that he'll do it. Amen. Amen. We believe. And then he doesn't do it the way we want him to. And we go, Oh no, <laughs> what do we do? So we go back this time with great, we, great resolve, with fervor and just lots of energy. We go for it and we say, okay, God, I didn't know if, you, maybe you didn't hear me. A lot of stuff going on in the world. Maybe you're busy, but you know, here we go. Round two, we tell God what, to, what we need. We tell him what to do. And then we believe that he will do it. And we say, Lord, I believe. And where's my friends who agree with me? We bring them together. And so we pray together. And then, and then it doesn't play out for what we've prayed for. It just... He's not moving the way we've told him to move, as if he's God and we're not. That's just shocking, I know. So what do we do? We go back a third time, don't we? We pray and we pray and we get in this cycle. And the problem is prayer just doesn't work that way. And inevitably what happens, if you and I get in this cycle and we just keep repeating these things over and over and over and over again, we're going to get disappointed. We're going to get burnt out. And resentment is going to set in. We'll be disappointed. We'll be frustrated. We're going to talk with other people and go, man, I just, ah, I don't get it. And we, what started out as a conversation with God turns into us telling God what to do, turns into us being frustrated when he doesn't do the things that we tell him to do. And so we just go back to it thinking, man, if I just pray stronger, if I have more faith, if maybe I get that person to pray Everyone knows if you get Pastor Kurt to pray with you, that's like, it's going to happen, right? Because you're like, I need a righteous person to do it. As if God's up there in heaven going, your prayers don't count. Oh, Pastor Kurt's here. Like, ah, you twisted my arm. You got me. But we do all these cheat codes trying to figure out how to make God move the way we want him to move. And we go, I know he wants me to fast. If I start fasting and then I do the prayer, then it's going to make God do what I told him to do. Maybe we get a group of people together. Maybe and we just start adding on top of things, don't we? And it just doesn't work that way. And, and if I can make it worse, because I think we've all been here. We just don't like to admit this. We all get a little bit confused. We all get a little bit discouraged when we pray for things. And then it doesn't go the way that we've prayed for. If, if I can be honest, I think it goes deeper. And we start asking ourselves some of these questions. We start asking, is there a formula? Is there a right way or a wrong way to pray? Maybe we go, if I just recite the Lord's Prayer, that's going to happen. That'll force God to move his hand for something to actually work. You ever heard this one? You ever had people tell you, you, you just need more faith? If you had more faith, then God would move. Boy, there's a sermon, huh? We just put that. That's a sidebar. That's a long conversation right there. Maybe, maybe you're not worthy. You feel like you don't belong in God's presence. Maybe you need someone more spiritual to pray. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe God doesn't hear you. Or maybe you're not hearing God. You're searching for this audible voice. 
Sometimes we pray and ask God to do some things and he's already answered it in the Bible, but we just keep praying, hoping he'll change his mind and provide a different way because we would just want to hear that voice. Nope, doesn't work that way. We get discouraged again. Why isn't it working? Is God listening? And then I don't feel his presence as if we're searching after an experience. What am I getting at here? I'm getting at this point of we have an agenda. We have a goal. We have a way of doing life and viewing life and we want God to bless it. And when it doesn't work out that way, we get frustrated, like, I'm going to go take my ball and play somewhere else. But the problem is there's nowhere else to go. So what do we do? And inevitably, we get to the end of ourselves as if we could carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. We get to the end of ourselves and we get discouraged. And we start asking this question, why bother? Why bother? Because if I'm praying and it's not working, what am I doing? And listen, your, your words and terminology may be different than what I'm saying, but at the end of the day, we're desperate for this relationship with God and we feel like it's not there, that it's, it's, it's distant. And I'm here to remind us this morning, it's not him, it's us. And so we have to spend some time in this series figuring out what in the world do we pray for and why in the world do we do it? Because if it's not going to further our agenda, what's the point? And I simply want to suggest, I think that is the point. I think that is the point. And we have to come to the end of ourselves, to where it is, in fact, just us. Because our willpower is not enough. Our strategies, our plans, our, our need to control coerce people into doing certain things. It just, it's not working. And so we need to partner with God. And I understand, look, we can, we can get discouraged, we can be frustrated. But if we run away from God instead of to God, what, what are we running to? There, there's nothing else there. And so what I want to do just to kick off this series, it's just an intro. I, I want to kick off this series with a passage that I think is going to be very helpful for us today. Because the reality is, there is something that we need from God. There's something that we receive from him when we go to him in prayer. We do, in fact, need prayer. Prayer does, in fact, work, and it's our perception that needs to be adjusted. We need to make a shift. We need to change in how we communicate, dare I say, in how we pray to God and what we expect him to do with our prayers. And I, I want to start off by simply saying this. Maybe, maybe today for week one of this series, maybe today it's not us going and giving God instructions on what he should do, but maybe it's us going to God and receiving from him what we should be instead of what we should do. Now here's a verse that is near and dear to my heart. It's one of my favorite passages and it's going to speak to this reality. So if you've got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 11. And I know pastors say like, oh, this is my favorite verse. We say this every week because we're like, there's no bad Bible. We love it all. This is actually one of my favorite passages because if you ever wanted to know um, what I need in my life and the things I desire, it's all covered in this short little passage. And I'm willing to bet I'm not the only one that needs these things, that desires these things. The problem is I go about trying to get these things in my own strength and my own power, not from God, who gives generously and abundantly. So that's the shift I'm going to hopefully help all of us do this morning. We're all going to make this shift and approach God and receive from him. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. 
Here's what I'm going to ask. We don't ever do this, but I think it'd be really fun, and it's my favorite verse. So just humor me for a second. Um, If you're able, will you stand? And we're going to read this, and then you can go ahead and sit down. But just if you're able, go ahead and stand with me. It's a very, very short passage. I think we can all do this together. So why don't don't we give it a go? Um, (laughs) On your mark, get set, go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well done. Okay, go ahead. Have a seat. Have a seat. Those of you online, you're like, I was sitting the whole time. I know. (laughs) I guess that's one of the perks of being online. Um, Here's what I want to do. This passage, like I said, has been so foundational for me. I I want to walk at a snail's pace through this passage because I think there's so much here. And on your notes, you've got three big notes, but I'm hoping you just scribble all over the paper, all over your phone, type until your, your thumbs start bleeding. There's so much goodness in this passage. So let's just start right at the beginning. Verse 28, the first three words says, come to me. How do we do that? How do we come to Jesus? Well, in the first century, you literally just walked to him. That's why crowds of people, a sea of humanity would just come and they would approach Jesus. They would just walk to him. Fast forward to where we are today. Do you know how we approach Jesus? Do you know how we come into his presence? Pray, yeah, that's right. Okay, gold star, well done. Yeah, we pray. And I just wanna pause for one quick moment and understand that the creator of heaven and earth simply said, you can come to me. Let that sink in for a quick second. I, I know we got more things to do and we got lunch appointments and schedules and family and blah, 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 blah. But God Almighty said, Let, we can have a conversation. In fact, you can come to me. This is so profound. He said, come to me. And number one in your notes, we'll just get going. Number one, remember Jesus is here now and he is with you and in you. And I think we forget that sometimes. We're just, we're going hundred miles an hour. And what if we just pause for one moment and we just remind ourselves, okay, hold on church, church, online, building, going for a jog, wherever you are, church, church family. Jesus is here now. And what if we just rested in that reality? I'm convinced, let me say it this way. I hope I'm not the only one who's gone through a church service and not encountered Jesus and just gone through the motions and been on autopilot and totally missed the fact that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is right here now. You ever just go on autopilot? You're far more spiritual than me, so never at church, right? But just at home, at work, you just, you just go throughout your day, putting your kids to bed, making dinner, paying bills. We just remember, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus is here now. We, we can't miss this. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Jesus is here now. Available now. It's not like we have to go travel somewhere to go get him. He, he's right here. And those of you at home streaming, he, 
He's right there in the room with you. If, if we stop and we slow down and we, we reflect on this reality in our lives, I promise you, this changes everything. When your kids jump in your car and you're driving them to school, Jesus is there in the car with you. Doesn't that shift and change the whole dynamic of the commute? The things we say, the thoughts we think, the things we do, like he, he's right there. And in your bedtime prayers, as you're laying your kids down and you start praying, he's not some distant being far off in the clouds. He is in the room watching over you and the child you are praying for right now. That ought to just, that ought to just destroy our brains. I mean, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords is right here now. I don't want us to miss it. And if you're like me, your brain is like 100 miles an hour in 100 different directions. And one of the things, I had a professor teach me this, and I just pass it on to you because it's been helpful to me. He said, one of the things you can do to trick your brain to always be thinking of, about being in God's presence, which, by the way, is, is what prayer is. But he said, it's real simple. Every time you walk through a doorway, just say out loud, Jesus is here. Do you know how many doors you go through in a given day? <laughs> Tons of them. Countless ones, so many doors. You're gonna leave this place and go through a door. You're in the commons. You're gonna leave the commons and go through another door. Some of you are gonna go pick up your kids. You're gonna go through another door. Then you're in a hallway. Then you're gonna go through the door of the classroom that they're in. Then you're gonna walk out that door again. Then you're gonna walk out the other door. Then you're gonna open the car door, get in there. Then you're gonna drive. You're gonna open your car door, get out of there. Then you're gonna go to your home. You're gonna open up that door. Do you, do you see how insane this is? Jesus is here now. He is with us and he is in us. He's in here. He's here now. This is what prayer is. We walk around and as we live our life, we are acknowledging the fact that Jesus is here now. Maybe he has something to say to us. It's not like we have to go off on a distant journey. He's right here. Here's what he says, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, what's that word? Help me out. What? 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 Anybody tired? This one right here, weary. It's this idea of being worn out of carrying the burdens of life. You know, life. Burdens, quick little word start study. These are the struggles of life and the consequences of our sin. Anybody tired? Anyone weary? Anyone burdened by just the reality of life. Jesus says, come to me. And it, I, I, I get to teach a class called The Starting Line, and, and we go through this verse because when you write the, the class material and you pick your favorites. So we go through this verse. And what I love to do is ask them, okay, what are the burdens that you're carrying in life? And we just write them down. And we don't have time, but I would love to go around the room and have everybody list burdens. And I'm willing to bet we'd have a lot of the same, don't you think? Don't you think? So I've taken, we've, I've taught this course three times now, and here's just kind of a combined list of the burdens that we all carry to some extent. See if any of these resonate with you. The first one is this, um, the burden of control. Where are my control people? Anyone? You have to be in control. You want things to work out the way you want them to, right? You gotta be in control. And if it doesn't, that means it's the other person's fault. Half of you who are married should raise your hands. 
The burden of control, of having to have the things work out the way you want them to. The burden of forgiveness or unforgiveness or resentment. The burden of parenting. Circling all the way back to those people who struggle with control. (laughs) You ever try to control your kids? Good luck. Uh, The burden of managing your money, of earning enough money. The burden of career and where it should go and how fast and quickly it should get there. The burden of addictions, of trying to keep that a secret. And then step two, once that actually becomes public, the burden of actually overcoming the addiction, the burden of depression and faking it until you make it because everything's okay and God is good all the time. All the time God is good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Sunday morning, right? I always get nervous laughter at that one. The burden of health, the burden of my future, the burden of the well-being of other people. This is just a small snapshot, but do you see yourself in any of those things I just listed through? Jesus says, come to me, all of you, All of us who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Point number two, prayer gives divine rest for your soul. Why do we pray? More importantly, what does Jesus have that I need? And how do I get that through prayer? Divine rest for your soul. Because friends, our souls are tired. I bet you $1,000 your soul is exhausted Because the vast majority of us are carrying the world on our shoulders and we're tired because we're not meant to lift that. That's Jesus. Remember the old song? He's got the whole world in it. Whole world. Yeah. I think I learned that song in third grade. There's no more profound theological truth than that song. What we do as Christians is, is it's hilarious because if it's, if it's not hilarious, um, we'll cry. But uh, he, he's, he's got the whole world in his hands. And then, and then we, we, we try to just grab it and say, yeah, me too, Jesus. And he's like, what are you doing? You're like, yeah, 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 me too. I want to be like you. And he's like, not in this way. He's like, no, 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 no. I got this, Jesus, me and you. We're doing it. And then we get to the point where we're exhausted. We come to the end of ourselves and we say, Jesus, here, take it. And he goes, thank you. And then we go, okay, I rested. Sunday was good, right? Worship was on point, felt the spirit moving. Woo, I got you, Jesus, you and me, buddy. We're going to do this thing. And he's like, you're an idiot. Steve, what are you doing? (laughs) We do this all the time. And what we really need is rest. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened by the reality of life, because it is difficult. And he says, I will give you rest. Number two, prayer gives divine rest for our souls. Whatever it is, your control, your finances, all that stuff, you give those things over to Jesus, and then you wake up the next morning whenever you're feeling good and strong, and then we pick it back up, don't we? And he goes, I'll let you run with it, but I am right here. You don't have to live that way. And we go, I got you, Jesus. Thanks for the help. And we do it. And then we come back and we just cycle, repeat, and we just do it over and over and over again. Keep reading. Verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now, when he's talking about yoke, I think this lands here, but I'm telling you in Southern California, I have no idea what yoke means and how you do that with animals. Is that an egg thing? Is it not? What? I don't understand what this means. Um, here's a picture of a yoke. This is the burden that the animals are carrying. See this wood thing right here? That is the yoke. And notice they are equally yoked. You look at those two and you're like, 
Yeah, they look about the same size, same muscle, same strength. I think if they were to walk together, to carry the load together, to pull together, they would go far. One is not um, incorrectly matched. They are together. They are equally yoked. And the burden that they are going to carry or plow or move or go forward, they're going to share that weight together. And we tend to think when we get connected, when we approach Jesus, when we come to Jesus and hand over his, our, our burdens to him, we are equally yoked. And I'm telling you, it's not true. This next picture is more reality. That's us. <laughs> we are the, the jack... That one, one of these things is not like the other is what I'm trying to say. But we do, don't we? We go, Jesus, I want to take your, your yoke. I, I want to be yoked to you. And he goes, I'm gentle and I'm humble. And you can take my yoke upon you and you can learn from me. And when you learn from me and when you're connected and when you're working with Jesus, you find rest. That is so profound in my opinion. Wait a minute, I'm going to be connected with Jesus. We're going to work together and I will find rest. How in the world does that work? Because Jesus is gentle and he is humble. And it's designed this, who do you think's doing the work? Jesus is like, exactly, this, this is how I designed this thing. Why are you picking back up the burdens that you've already laid down? You can't carry them in the first place. And when, when you're yoked to me, when you're connected to me, when you come to me, it looks like this. So yeah, you can go through life. You can find rest for your soul. Did you catch the progression? You stay connected with Jesus. You walk in his steps. This, this is what prayer is. This, is. this is prayer. We come before Jesus and we stay connected to Jesus. Remember, he's here now. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he is within you He's here now. We just, prayer is just acknowledging that reality. And then we learn from him. And as we learn from him, we find rest. Number three in your notes, Jesus will teach you how to live your life like he would if he lived your life. Jesus will, will teach you how to live your life like he would live your life if he was actually living your life. What this means is Jesus will teach you when you and I, through prayer, when we're connected and yoked to Jesus and we're learning from him, he will teach us how to best love our spouses like he would love our spouses if he was married to them. He will teach us how to raise our children as if they were his children. He will teach us how to get along with coworkers as if, see where I'm going? They were coworkers. With your boss, with your family, with your neighbors, so on and so forth. Friends, this is the most profound truth. God Almighty, creator of everything, including you and I, says you can come to me and I will teach you how to best live this life because I know because I created it. And it has nothing to do with your effort and your burdens and your willpower. It has everything to do with being yoked from me and I will teach you how to do these things. I will teach you how to live every day. I will teach you the will of the Father. You simply need to come to me, and I will teach you how to do these things. Real quick, let's finish the passage. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One of my favorite quotes from Dallas Willard, I've mentioned him a handful of times, just kind of been a spiritual mentor and a hero to me. He simply says this, he says, if you're struggling to follow Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Isn't that great? 
How can that be true? Because his yoke is easy, his burden is light, he's gentle and he's humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Does any of that sound difficult? What we do, what we do to make the Christian life more difficult is we do things in our own willpower and we disconnect the yoke and we say, Lord, I love you so much, look what I'm going to do in my own strength. And then inevitably we drop the ball, we fumble. And I, I love this passage because what this passage teaches to me is, is, is Steve, every difficulty, everything that you are facing in life can be solved if you come to Jesus. And we do that through prayer. What this means, what this means, friends, and I think this is so profound, what this means is that we do not have to worry about outcomes because we're connected to Jesus. He carries that burden, which simply means you and I, we show up and we do our best and we let Jesus fill in the gaps and take care of everything else. Listen, we do not have to carry the burden of outcomes because we are yoked to Jesus. Anyone who's weary, anyone who's tired, anyone who is carrying a burden, may I please encourage you, come to Jesus. Be connected with Jesus. I know you have certain... Um, outcomes that you want to see in life, but, but I'm telling you, this Jesus is so good, is so loving, is so gracious, so strong, and so much in control that even if you do not get your desired outcome, you are still in very good hands. You have nothing to worry about. This whole idea of prayer, th this is a very big deal. We have to practice it. I, I don't think it comes naturally to us. So, so here's how I want to end. I, I want the band to come on up. And for three minutes, for three minutes, we can do this for three minutes. They're going to play music underneath us for three minutes. I'm going to put a passage up on the screen. Here's your homework assignment for the week. Are you ready? I want you to spend five minutes praying this verse every day. Five minutes praying this verse every single day. That's your homework assignment. It's Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. I'll read them to you. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which is something I want when I'm weary and I have burdens, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church family, this is our prayer for the week. And I'm gonna give you a short, simple little acronym to help us navigate through five minutes of prayer. Because for some of us, let's be honest, that can be daunting. And if that's you, no shame. That's me on uh, any given day. I have to use tools to help me focus. So I wanna introduce you to a very simple process. It's called SOAP. Soap journaling. The S stands for scripture. I already gave you the scripture. So every day for your five minutes, I want you to write out that passage, those two verses. Write out those two verses. The O is for observation. What did you observe in those two passages? The A is application. How will you apply that to your life? What is going to be different in your life today because you've read God's truth? Dare I suggest not to be anxious? That would be a great application. And then the P is prayer. 
You're going to pray about it. Lord, help me to actually live this way. Help me to have this mindset. Help me to have this focus. Help me to see you at work here because I'm going to be honest, when I relinquish control and relinquish outcomes and put them in your hands, that's difficult. That exercises that trust muscle. So Jesus, would you help me in this? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it for three minutes, okay? We're going to do it for three minutes. So band, they're going to play, and then after three minutes, they're going to lead us into the next song, and we're going to close in worship. But man, if you've got a phone, take out your phone. We're going to put the verse on the screen. If you're old school, get a pen, get some paper, and write out the verse, write out the observation, write out the application, and write out your prayer. One of the most fascinating things, and Paul said it, he knew exactly what he was talking about. He said, do not be anxious about anything. How in the world can that actually be true? How in the world can that actually be good news? It's because Paul knew Jesus, and he knows when I am yoked with God Almighty, I do not have to worry about outcomes. We are in good hands. So he says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's what I'm going to ask you to do in the next three minutes. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we give you the next three minutes. I ask that you speak to us. For my friends that are so tired and so weary and they've been carrying the burdens of life on their shoulders, would you remind them to to lay those at your feet. For all of us who struggle with control and, and we want our desired outcomes to be a reality, Father, would you remind us that you've got this and that you are in control and that's not a burden we need to carry. Father, for our anxious hearts, would you remind us we have nothing to worry about when we're connected to you. Father, we give you the next couple minutes. Would you speak to us? Reveal things inside of us, the worries, the concerns, the anxiety. Help us to lay those at your feet. Thank you for loving us. We give you the next couple minutes. <laughs>